3: in my bungalow. Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back.
0: Hello and welcome to the 158th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we're going to bring you some more box office numbers for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, some news on a can of shaving cream from Chronicle Collectibles, and some words on the new waterfront show from Universal Orlando. After that, we're going to hear the final episode, number 26, in the incredible series Extinction Level Jurassic Park. We made it. This is. This is the last episode of Extinction Level. We've kind of all been on this journey together, uh, listening to these episodes over the past year, and I've had a blast kind of diving into this and and making my own headcan. And I hope you guys have too. And we're here. This is it. Let's celebrate because it's a great ending to this series. Now, in last episode, uh, we had some really scary encounters with some dinosaurs, and also some of probably the most emotional acting in this series yet from the Steve voice himself, Stephen Hurl. Uh, and this week, in the final installment, uh, we're going to get an intense battle on the ship with more dinosaurs. A really fun reveal and a wonderful send off for this entire series. Following that, we're actually going to head out to Site B to speak with the creator of Extinction Level Jurassic Park, Arjun Boss. We're going to discuss that final episode, the entirety of Extinction Level Jurassic Park, and maybe even touch on Fallen Kingdom. So, you know, as a warning, if you have not seen the movie yet, be warned that there are spoilers in that segment. Now, a few things to mention before we get underway. If you haven't, please go check out our YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe, hit that notification bell to receive those updates when new content goes live. We are producing a ton of great content over there, uh, separately from what you're hearing over here. So please make sure to go follow along with everything that we are doing over there. Now, last week, I know Tom Fishenden reviewed a legacy pack of dinosaurs. I went on a merch hunt and found some Really cool items, some Jurassic Park items, some Jurassic World items, and uh, we have even more fun stuff coming for you this week, including a look at what I've received over the past month, whether it was a mail call or something that I picked up in the stores. So there's going to be so much more, so keep your eyes peeled and definitely head over to our YouTube channel. But anyway, we have a fun episode for you, so why don't we get this one started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research.
1: Access me. program. Accessory security. These pictures were taken in hospital on Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look.
0: Boy, I hate being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. All right, so we have some information from Box Office Mojo. Uh, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom brought in an estimated 28.5 million dollars for the weekend and uh, that pushed it up over 333.3 million here in the united states after this past week it actually crossed one billion dollars globally which is incredible i mean that's amazing i'm so glad it happened and it seems to be happening quick even though it has been out for a month around the world already um so it also made an additional 27.6 million overseas this weekend which uh, just basically rivaled what it made here in the u.s bringing it to 725.3 million uh for the international box office and that total now is 1.058 billion dollars That is crazy. I know somebody asked uh, in the mailbag last week if we have any worries about, uh, you know, them not continuing on or doing anything anything like that. I think this thing is going to be here for a while. We at least have one more film left that we know of. Who knows where it will go from there. But if they keep up these billion-dollar numbers, which has only really hit about 35 films so far, which is crazy, it's still a new process getting up to one billion. So that's... That's fairly awesome, and uh, I I think we're going to have a lot to look forward to. If you want to read the full box office figures from all the other movies this past weekend, head to the link in our show notes. So the latest in a long string of uh, film props and sculpts and all kinds of crazy things coming from Chronicle Collectibles is uh, the Barbasol can from Jurassic Park that Dennis Nedry tried to hijack those embryos and get them off the island, but it didn't work out too well. So you can now own a 100% screen accurate version of that Barbasol can from Chronicle Collectibles. The thing looks fantastic from the images that they've already displayed online. Um, I This is one of those things that I am really looking forward to. I have always wanted a really accurate one that has the the dinosaur embryos inside, and this thing is crazy. I'm just so thrilled to have something like this available for purchase. This is going to be a lot of fun. There's not a lot of details as of yet. Uh, This information comes from an article from uh, io9, so uh, make sure to check that out via the link in our show notes. They're mentioning that it could be somewhere in the ballpark of $200, which is actually really affordable From uh, Chronicle Collectibles. Usually their stuff is pretty high priced. $200 is actually somewhat affordable from them. So make sure to keep an eye out online for more information and we'll definitely feature it here on the podcast. Recently in the news here we mentioned the new show from Universal Orlando which is the cinematic celebration on the waterfront that features a ton of jets uh, shooting water up into the air and projecting images on the water if you've seen anything out in Disney, uh, whether it's on you know the, the West Coast or the East Coast, they have these types of shows where they project those images on there. The show actually finally debuted, and it does feature as the first um, IP in the show. After a little musical introduction there, you get a lot of imagery from Jurassic World and actually Fallen Kingdom as well. So while the uh, images are playing, you have a lot of the music from the films playing, and I specifically really 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 liked the images uh, projected of the Mosasaurus coming out of the water because it felt natural because it's a show on the water you're sitting there in front of the water watching this just like the Uh, the guests were in Jurassic World as that Mosasaurus came out of the water. So it looked fantastic. Even in the background, they actually have the background of the film projected onto buildings, so it's a really awesome experience. If you're viewing it from the right angle, you can see a, a wide... You know, screen that kind of uh, goes on different projections around the the buildings and the different water jets that they're spraying all this water. It looks incredible. If you guys want to check out the entire show, we have a video in our show notes, so go check it out.
3: Ah. Oh, there it is.
0: There it is. And now let's listen to the final episode of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Episode 26: Jumping Ship,
1: Resolution. The captain at the helm of the supply ship looked outside, where the world was turning dark again because of another incoming storm. Waves around the ship were getting higher and rougher. Unhappy, the captain listened to a US Marine commander who had hailed him a moment before and was now giving his orders to the captain over the radio.
3: We command you to turn your heading
2: east and follow us for quarantine and questioning in Costa Rica.
1: The door opened and Simon Masrani entered the
2: bridge. The weather is getting rough out here, isn't it? Mr. Masrani, yes, uh, and I'm afraid we have some bad news. If you fail to comply, we will be forced to consider your vessel contaminated and we will destroy the threat. What is this saying? That's the bad news. The Navy caught up with us, they want us to follow them to Costa Rica. And there is a helicopter coming for us too. What? Over there. It seems to be coming straight for us.
1: Inside Guterres' helicopter, they're also held by the Navy ship.
2: Unidentified aircraft, you are interfering with a military operation. You are to redirect your heading and turn east. The ship on your course is under quarantine. If you were to land on that ship, we will not allow you to take off again, over. Thank you for warning. I will not land, but we drove two people. They have important messages for crew of ship, over. Let them be aware they're entering a quarantined area and will not leave again until we
3: say so.
1: finally looks back and Sarah knows.
0: Get my father home! They'll wait for you in Costa Rica at the Forensic Pathology Morgue, San Joaquin de Flores. Thank you!
1: Tim rests his hand on Sarah's shoulder, while she looks out of the helicopter, down to the nearing ship. She looks back over her shoulder to Tim. Sarah, go with him. You've done enough. Thank you for everything. What do you mean? I can handle this. Tears fill Sarah's eyes, letting it sink in that her father is really gone. She looks down a second, and then back up at him.
3: Thank you.
1: Don't mention it, it's alright. While the helicopter is positioning above the ship, which is rolling on the waves, as Ronnie and the captain see the doors of the helicopter open up. What the hell are they doing?! From the helicopter, Tim Murphy is now hanging out of the door, almost ready to jump from the helicopter onto the ship. The rain hits his face. Oh! As the ship rolls up on a wave, the pilot of the helicopter suddenly pulls up to avoid getting hit by it. The distance now too big to jump, Tim looks back at the pilot. A little lower, okay? Lowering down again, Tim looks at the deck of the ship below, coming up on another wave. I hate heights. As he jumps out and continues in a row onto the wet deck of the ship, the helicopter pulls up again. Eterra salutes him from the front window, and Sarah waves so the helicopter turns away to help for the main Tim looks up at the bridge. A little nervous, he turns around and looks at the bow of the ship knowing what's beneath its deck. The door at the side of the bridge opens up and Simon Masrani steps outside. Murphy, is that you? A little confused to see Simon Masrani at the bridge, Tim walks up to him.
2: Come inside. What are you doing here?
1: When Tim enters the bridge, Masrani closes the door behind him to keep the winds out. Seeing how dirty Tim is, raising questions for Masrani.
2: What happened?
1: Catching his breath, Tim responds quickly. (sighs) A lot, but there's something more important now. We've got velociraptors on this ship. Raptors?! Below deck, Masrani turns to the captain.
2: Contact that Navy ship? We can't follow them to the mainland before we neutralize those raptors. How many men do you have on the ship? Including ourselves, seven. and We have no weapons on this ship. Tell them we need to return for Sorna. We need their help.
1: In the calmer waters between Isla Sona and Isla Muerta, sometime later, both the marine vessel and the supply ship have gone for anchor, and the supply ship is boarded by marines. Outside it is still raining, and it has turned dark as the day is going over into the evening, the evening sky rumbling with passing thunderstorm. With 12 marines standing on deck, Tim is advising their commanding officer about what happened and what to do, and he asked to join them, telling the officer about his experience on the island. The commanding officer hands Tim a tranquilizer gun, and night fishing goggles. Tim smiles as he looks down at the goggles, moving it up and down, weighing it.
2: Are they heavy? And they're expensive, put them back. Be careful.
1: I will be. They move to go inside, down metal stairs, below deck, aft. Their surroundings are very dark, and the marines put down their night fishing goggles, turning them on. As silently as possible they move through the ship forward to the bow in green fluorescent surroundings. Every once in a while lightning flashes, and the light through the round windows turns the rooms in bright green light, stopping the marines for a moment before they continue. Silently their commander signals the direction to go, and the marines split up to take a left and a right corridor leading to the bow. They meet again at the end of the corridors, where both sides come back together, leading to a next door at the centre of the ship, the cargo hold. The commander opens the door, it squeaks and a soft metallic tick as the door handle reaches the wall, the moment it is fully opened. The cargo hold is open at the top and rain falls down through metallic grating at the deck. It is a huge room with two levels, the second level being metal grade walkways, crossing the sides and the centre of the room. The marines enter, six going up the stairs and six wait downstairs to cross the area. Suddenly Tim thinks he hears growling, but the thunder interrupts. He stands still, looking around to see if he really heard the sound and where it had come from. He continues moving with the six marines on the bottom level. The six marines in the great walkways split again into groups of three, going left and right. A raptor screams as it jumps up onto a large crate. It immediately moves to attack one of the marines, together with two of the marines, Tim also aims quickly and fires, All darts hitting the animal. Distracted, the Blastraptor loses its balance and falls down off the box, missing its target. Another marine immediately fires a net over it, which hooks around the grating of the metallic floor. The raptor cannot get up, and the dart makes it tranquil, sleepy. A second later, the next attack comes from the second level. Two raptors run screaming over the middle grate walkway, one jumping down. The marine, which was its target, rolls onto his back, just missing the claws of the raptor as it comes down. Turning the marine, aims his tranquilizer gun and fires, hitting target. The second jumps to attack the marines in the second level. The marine, who was its target, uses his tranquilizer gun to hit the raptor off, making it fall down to the bottom level. Hitting the floor on its side, trying to get up, it is hit by a dart from one of the marines from the second level. Both raptors fall down through their legs to the floor. Damn, they're big! Back! The fourth raptor attacks, crossing from across the room at high speed. commanding officer calls out to the 22 year old marine. The animal is charging. Brady. Tim aims his gun and fires, hitting the target again. The raptor slams down to the ground, stopping at the feet of the marine. Thanks. The commanding officer looks at Tim. Four down. How many more? Can't say. Hearing more growling, they know there still are some raptors around. In silence, lightning flashes and this is the moment three more raptors choose to attack together. From three sides, they close in on the Marines on the ground. One Marine is taken down by the first Raptor, jumping on his back and slamming his face down to the floor, screaming. The Marine goes down and dies quickly. The second Raptor then grabs the Marine named Brady by the shoulder with its teeth, pulling him backward. Brady screams in pain. At the same time, the second Raptor runs around the Marines, distracting them. Tim and three Marines fire darts at this Raptor, missing it. On the second level, the six Marines also try to aim at the Raptors. The third raptor goes low, jumps up, and slams the middle of the three marines, next to Tim, down to the floor. Brady, who got grabbed by the shoulder, hits the raptor holding him with the back of his tranquilizer gun, keeping the long legs and in razor-sharp sickle claws away from his torso. Eventually, he hits the eye of the raptor, let's go, and scratches his head with its claw. Grady takes this moment to aim his gun and fire, sending the raptor off to Dreamland. Also, the second raptor is taken down by one of the marines on the ground. The third raptor is hit from the second level, and it turns quiet again. After a moment of silence, the commanding officer turns to his men, signaling all the marines to come down to the bottom level, to regroup, ordering Tim and two of his marines to look after their fallen mates, two dead, one bleeding from the shoulder and down his arm.
3: Mr. Murphy, you did good. Help them get our brothers out. And Owen, get yourself looked after to two others.
1: Gather this ship's crew and get these raptors off this ship, back on Isla Sorna. To the five remaining marines, he says. Let's search the rest of the ship. With nets, the raptors are carried off the boat and dropped onto the islands, still asleep. While the crew is doing this, Tim stands watch together with Simon was running. Tim hands was running something from his inside jacket pocket. Before I forget, here are the hard drive and a sample of the cure Dr. Will created.
2: Thank you for this Tim. I must say, I'm proud of you. The team I met earlier this week would not have gone down with those marines, smiling as you did.
1: I know, you were right, they're animals, and I'm right to fear them too. Sir, if you don't mind me saying, the thought that these were on their way to the mainland it scares me. I'm not sure keeping them alive is the best
2: thing to do. We will be more careful in the future, they are magnificent and people will love them for it. So you're still planning to put these out in the park? I'll be extra careful with them. We will see. But ever since the world got to know about this creature, demand to see them is rising. This will delay it seems. But who am I to refuse the world?
1: The remaining Marines that were still down, combing the ship, now came up on deck again. The commanding officer walked up to Masrani.
0: That was the lot of them. The ship is clear. When you're done, we go for Costa Rica. I thank you.
1: Two months later, a high-ranking Navy officer is sitting behind the desk, looking through some paperwork, when Tim Murphy enters the room and walks towards the desk. The officer looks up.
3: Mr. Murphy, take a seat.
0: Tim sits down. Your score is for you. Physical as well as psychological, and with these references, even though we couldn't give any details, his reference is well-respected. So, there's just one question I'd like you to answer for me. What is your deepest fear?
1: let the question sink in for a moment, then. To be without fear, ma'am. For me, to be without fear is to be without cause. Our rational fears are inflamed by our instinct, keeping us from taking irrational and senseless action. In my opinion, we should listen to our fears, in balance with our other senses, and so we'll keep our actions pure. He obviously looks at Tim, and then smiles. She picks up a stamp from the desk and stamps the document. Approved. This is the end of Extinction Level Jurassic Park, a year's journey from start to finish. I thank you for listening and your support this past year, and I want to thank everyone who voiced for one or two or more characters. In this episode you heard two new voices, those of Clayton Fioriti as the Marine Commander and Kristen Larson as the Navy Officer approving Tim for duty. Other voices in this episode were those of John T. as the Supply Ship Captain, Hammond Mishra as Maserani, Hector Salazar Morales as the Pilot, Jennifer Terriga as Sarah Harding, myself as Tim Murphy and of course James Hawkins as guitarist and the marine stay put for a bonus scene that will follow in a moment bonus scene Somewhat earlier than Tim's approval, five weeks after the evacuation from Isla Sorna, Vic Hoskins walked into an office on a high floor overlooking a rainy day over a big city. Simon Masrani stood up from behind his desk and walked around to the Flint Hoskins, extending his hand.
2: Hoskins, thank you for responding to my invitation. I wanted to give you my condolence in person on the team you lost on Sorna. I'm very sorry how that all turned out.
1: Thank you sir. They were good guys, I don't understand how this could have happened. They knew the dangers, but when they signed the agreements they accepted the risk involved voluntarily. So I'm not here to give a statement of fight claims or anything I imagine. Slightly taken back by this unexpected cold response, Masrani gestured Hoskins to take a seat while getting seated himself.
2: No, no. So, to the point, I understood from Dr. Wu you and your men were involved in capturing the pteranodons on Takano.
1: That's right. Most guys of that team are still alive by the way, released to their contracts when we shrunk our team on the island. They were not the ones on Sorna at
2: the time of the evacuation. That's good news. With light on recent events, I want to develop a large-scale security division for Injun. With your experience, I'd like you to be the head of the division. First task would be to locate, isolate and capture those Pteranodons that escaped Sorna and return them to the island. Okay. I'll get a contract written up and send your way. We'll discuss and adjust the details afterwards. Sure. Also, I'd like you to go to that United Nations assembly next week. I understand Doctor Grant will speak there. Apparently, he's suggesting to set up a ranger station on the island to study Indian dinosaurs for their preservation. It could be the perfect opportunity for us to get the cure of the animal there. But we need a man on this team. So Henry finally told you about the disease now, did he? Yes. When Mr. Murphy gave me the cure, I asked Henry about it. He told me he was worried, not knowing how to save these animals. Now we no longer have resources on the island, and of course, we need to save these animals. Alright. Don't worry. We'll see that grandkids' wish, and I've got just right person for the job.
1: Ms. Ronnie got up and extended his hand towards Hoskins.
2: Thank you, Vic. Let's meet again in two days. I'll send you a meeting request. Hoskins got up too and shoot Ms. Ronnie's hand. I'll be there.
1: Then Hoskins walked out of Masai's office, taking the elevator down in the main hall of the building before walking out into the ring. He pulled out his cell phone and dialed a number, waiting inside for the other end to be picked up, and then the call was answered.
3: Deborah hello?
1: Deborah, how do you like a job? Quickly Hoskins slipped around to make sure he would not be overheard. I need some Sorna. No force on earth or heaven
3: could get me on
2: that island. Site B, don't worry if
3: I'm not making the same Uh, mistakes again. Okay, so there's another island with dinosaurs, no fences. Site B. And you want to send people in? Yes. Very few people? Yes. It's not a research expedition anymore, it's a rescue operation, and it's leaving right now. You You cannot land on this island. This is Gisela's Sorna. Site B. Yes. Uh, we're on Isla Sorna and we need to find, we need to talk to the boat. Site B. No. The lady. <laughs> Enough. Wrong frequency.
0: I'm here on Site B shortly after the military struck the island with uh, a few bombs. It was kind of brutal and the, uh, the jungle is still slightly on fire. I, I I don't know why, but I thought I saw Tim Murphy over there, and maybe Sarah Harding. But uh, I don't know. I must be seeing things. Instead, I have the creator of Extinction Level Jurassic Park, Arjun Boss, here with me today. How you doing on the island today, man?
3: I'm not really sure. It's kind of scary around here.
0: Yeah, whenever things but are on much. fire, yeah, it's not too good. You know, you don't
3: want to you don't want to be in that kind of situation. No, but we're still in good health, so let's just hope we can get off. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I brought s'mores, so just in case, you know, we can kind of toast it over the, uh, the trees over yeah. there. I think we'll be good, though.
3: That's nice. Let's do that afterward. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, you know, last time we had you on, um, it was, uh, what was that? It was back in episode 132 after like the 14th episode of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Um, we kind of discussed uh, your history, creating uh, content like this, uh, your Jurassic fandom, the first half of Extinction Level. Um, this time I think we're going to cover episode 26, the um, the final episode, and the second half also of, of the uh, audio drama as well. And maybe even touch on Fallen Kingdom if we can. So, um, why don't we actually just jump right into this summary? Because I've been doing these summaries after the end of like every episode, and I forget when we um, when we decided to do that. That was kind of like a, an add on thing after the fact for some reason. I guess maybe just to boost some extra content because you know during those like. Dull years in between the movies. There's not a lot, a lot to do. So I'm like, all right, let me let me add some more content onto these episodes. So I always found that to be fun, kind of reviewing everything and just kind of going over what happened and sifting through it myself. So uh, I, I enjoyed doing that.
3: Yeah, it certainly was a lot of fun for me to listen to. <laughs> <you know.
0: laughs> it was. It was. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it was a little uh, interesting because, like, I ne- didn't know what was going on. You know, you didn't feed me any kind of inside information or or any kind of details. And I didn't listen ahead. So whenever I did those little wrap-ups, I I just focused on the episode that I just heard. I tried to remember as much as I could about the past and and not sound like a fool, yeah. like going through everything. So.
3: Yeah, some things you read a little too much into, like the, the, the commander and so on coughing. I, yeah. he, he just had that in the recording. So I thought, okay, let's just keep that in.
0: You know, I, <laughs> I, I went through some old notes and I noticed that point, uh, last night. And I'm like, Oh, that, that was nothing. That was turned out to be nothing. Cause I, I, tried to create some, some interesting questions and things that we could look into. Um, you know, specifically because that sickness seemed to be like spreading to different things. And I'm like, Oh man, he just coughed. Now was that a, yeah. was that a normal cough or was that like part of the script? You know, it, you know, he says his lines and then it says insert cough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: it wasn't part of the script, but, uh... Jack de la Mer uh, sent me a lot of takes to, to pick from, and this one uh, sounded really natural. So <laughs> I, I just thought, let's throw that one, that one in.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's great because anything to make, you know, uh, a bunch of almost like non actors sound more uh, natural, I think is a good thing, you know, because a lot of us are, I don't think, is anybody like a, a professional actor? I don't think so. <laughs>
3: No, I don't think so either. No, but so, some were really, really good.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. It's everybody did a great job, and and uh, yeah, it's surprising that like you just bring together a bunch of people in the community, and everybody just so happens to do a great job. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah it was really surprising for me as well. Yeah, I love oh, to, sure. to get all those all those things together and really hear the story come to life.
0: Yeah. Well, there was another thing I feel like I probably read into too much. Um, I don't remember. I thought I had it on the tip of my tongue, but I forget now. Um, but that coughing thing made me laugh. Um, yeah. So let's actually just jump into it. So uh, episode twenty six, which is the final episode of Extinction Level, uh, basically had um, kind of like a, a main, you know, the main episode, and also kind of like a what do you call it? Like a post credit scene in a way. I, I liked that yeah. uh, that that addition to the uh, the scene there. Um, but this one yeah. is called Jumping Ship uh, slash Resolution yeah and yeah i think that that's an apt uh, apt title there so
3: <laughs> yeah i think they they were two separate episodes at two, at first but uh when we still had 40 episodes in mind Oof, but yeah. then um yeah <laughs> the episodes all were three minutes so that was really too short and this was, these 10 minutes episodes were much nicer to go with and yeah i still wanted resolution <laughs> in the yeah. title. So yeah. I just mixed the two together.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably good because, you know, you, you keep the, um, I guess, the excitement going the entire time. You know, it's not like you yeah. you had to cut off certain things and only make it three minutes or anything. So, uh, yeah, I didn't mind, like, having a 15-minute long episode. That, I think that was great because it just it ramps up and you don't cut it off in the middle of the action or anything like that. There's always, like, a natural yeah. conclusion to each one of these segments, which I thought was great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> oh, yeah, and some of them like created cliffhangers, especially in this in this second half, which was really cool.
3: Yeah, I mean, it just so happened. <laughs> and like.
0: So in uh, in true Jurassic fashion, this this kind of starts again with an incoming storm, as the uh, these the ships are are going out to sea, and uh, yeah, it seems like a really choppy choppy waters out there. Um, and we get um another like military commander giving orders to the supply ship. They basically want to quarantine the ship. And uh, if they don't, you know, adhere to these rules, we're gonna destroy it. And of course Mizrani, I feel like he's in the dark this whole time. He's just like confused.
3: Yeah, he has no he has no clue.
0: <laughs> but I, I uh I love the intensity of the military in these episodes. They're just they're just like you need to follow these orders or else we're going to blow you up.
3: <laughs> yeah, the words were mine, but Clayton did a really good job on this as well. Yeah. He made it sound very natural.
0: Yeah, was it him and, uh, and Ted brothers did it did previous uh, commanders too, right?
3: Yeah, Ted is the, um, the commander of the whole fleet, and okay. uh, Clayton here is the commander of the Marines that went uh, of the ship that went after them.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. So I I just love that intensity, and I'm like, man, I, I are they that intense? Would they really just blow us up? I mean, I guess the the issue is pretty severe, you know, <laughs> like there's there's a pretty bad issue going on. So, and which is kind of like, I don't know, I, we we kind of walk into uh, Fallen Kingdom territory in a way and I know like uh, you had sent me before like it um, released here in the US you're like all right, uh, there might be something like you know you might want to tiptoe around don't mention like any kind of connections and stuff so I liked how it kind of fell onto these concepts from Fallen Kingdom but didn't actually like you know really rely on it too much
3: yeah exactly I, I love that it still fits in the canon apart from a few details here or there but mostly it's still possible, yeah, so within the
0: yeah, yeah, so we we get this um helicopter coming in, and it has Gutierrez, the pilot uh Tim and Sarah, and sadly Jerry's body um so the uh the commander's like he does the same thing the same bit, he's like, you know if you land on that chop uh, on that uh that boat, you know you can't leave, you're gonna have to stay, and you won't be able to stay until we resolve the situation um. And, uh, the pilot's like, all right, we, we're not going to land. Uh, we're just going to drop off these two people like easily. I'm just yeah. going to, I'm just going to drop them. And, uh, <laughs> and, and sweetly enough, like Tim is like, all right, Sarah, like stay on the chopper, stay with your dad. Don't leave your dad. Cause she was like a little choked up about leaving her father. Um, and, and she basically like thanked him, like, thank you, Tim. You know, I I'm grateful for that. And then you know, Tim basically jumps out as the pilots, like trying not to hit the ship with it, with all these choppy waves and everything going on. So, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a nice, nice moment from Tim and Sarah there.
3: Yeah, I thought so too. I think Sarah at this point really had enough, uh, so she's uh, ready to go and say <laughs> with her dad, <laughs> say goodbye.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say one should. Uh, expect these kind of situations when going to the island, um, but it almost seems like nobody kind of expected things to go awry again. So uh, you know they did yeah, a great job as, and Sarah as, held together pretty all, good.
3: Yeah, as with all Jurassic movies, and uh, they they start where they all think they are in control of the situation, and of course they never are.
0: No, no, and yeah, it seems like every situation just goes awry. Like they don't have any luck in these, except for like. <laughs> one thing maybe in this episode and last episode that kind of carried through. But um, so, so you know, Tim's jumping out and Mizrani is on the bridge of the boat, welcomes Tim. He's, you know, he's a happy guy as ever, just confused still as to why Tim is there. And Tim's like, hey, there's raptors on your ship. What are you doing? And of course, Mizrani has like no idea. He's, he's um, you know, we, we he's like, we need to solve this issue before we get back to the mainland. Um, and at that point, basically... Twelve Marines just hop on board, and uh, you know Tim's like kind of he he's he almost like takes command in in a way. He's basically telling them what's going on. He wants to join the force and make sure that they resolve this issue. And they hand him the gun and the night vision goggles. And uh, I love that little like little flashback that he got of the uh, the yeah. night vision scene. That was uh, that was so awesome.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I just had to put that in. You know, I, the I moment- think. I, I wrote it, of course, and then I immediately thought of the night vision goggles in Jurassic Park. Yeah. And it just it felt natural to put that memory in.
0: Yeah, throughout the series, there's been, like, a few instances where he, um, you know, he kind of flashes back. It, it, it kind of, like, almost crippled him early on, and he, you know, he didn't... Uh, he he almost didn't have the guts to follow through, but this time he you know he gets that memory and then he just continues on. He's like, "All right, we got to do this." Yeah. So it didn't really yeah. hold him back at all this time.
3: No, he's still scared, but it's 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 the right thing uh, to be. Yeah,
0: and which which <laughs> in a, in a way. certainly touches upon later on in the episode, which I thought was great. Um, but uh, you know, this is um this is kind of the episode because you know you send me the um. Uh, what do you call? It? Like kind of like the 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 credits. Um, so it has like yeah. who was in the episode, what music was used, and stuff like that. And I try not to look at those ahead of time. So you know, you send me the file and that in the same like email. So I download the the files. So try not to like stare at that too much because i I feel like it would maybe give away. Actually, in this case, it didn't really give anything away. um, um but uh, so, in this in this scene that I'm talking about, the uh, the Raptors start attacking the military and the Marines or whoever is down there. Um, Marines are shooting Tranks, and so is Tim. And of course, we get the mention of a 22 year old Marine, and they they basically yell out Grady, which I was like, I was waiting for that because, like I said, <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to check out any of the summaries, and I, I probably mentioned it as like kind of like um you know a thought I had. Um, in earlier yeah. episodes, I forget if I did or not, but I, I had that feeling that maybe we would get a hint of, of Owen Grady, you know, at, from the military's perspective. Because I, I, I saw that scene in Jurassic Park three, and I'm like, "Well, man, if he's trying to tie things together, the military shows up, the Navy's there, so why wouldn't Owen be there? It would make a lot of sense, right?" Yeah. So yeah, I-
3: we weren't we weren't the only ones. Right after I wrote it in, and I had James record for it. Uh, of course, James does again. The, <laughs> this other ah, voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had four. He had four roles, I think, in the last three episodes. <laughs> and and right after that, I I saw a um, a video on YouTube coming uh, coming on uh, about this as well. And some some other fan had the same theory, so I really like that. But in my case, he's not with the Marines that's on the coast. He's on the Marine ship that went after Masrani. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I loved that. I, I loved hearing it. And it was funny because I was listening. I was like in the zone. I had my headphones on listening to this uh, last night. And um, and I heard Grady and I ca- it kind of like, whoa, it startled me. And I, I had to go back and I was like, whoa, 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 where did he come from? All of a sudden you just hear like the 22-year-old and uh, and then somebody yells out Grady. I'm like, oh, my God, this is it. It's happening. I, I loved yeah. it. I loved tying it in because we've had subtle nods and stuff like that into – you know, Jurassic World, and obviously Vic Hoskins and stuff like that. So I loved, yeah. like, carrying it even further into that uh, that canon.
3: And I love that in Fallen Kingdom, Grady never says tells anything about his first experience with dinosaurs. So it still fits. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, and, of course, it's a raptor, <laughs> which makes it even more perfect.
0: It had to be, right? I'm sure you thought about that. You're like, well, he's got experience and stuff like that. So, you know, he's the guy you would go to because... Uh, because of all that. So I thought that was I thought that was perfect. And yeah, you're right. Now when I watch Fallen Kingdom, maybe I can have my own little headcanon like in that scene with uh, with Claire. Uh that that'd be pretty awesome actually. Yeah. <laughs> Just like cuz it's like she's, you know, she's reminiscing. Uh, did you read the the book yet, the the Evolution of Claire?
3: I'm at chapter 13 right now. I okay, so didn't so you- finish it yet, but I'm still working on it. Yeah. So
0: I mean, they they definitely touch on that instance. So um, yeah. uh, you know, we won't discuss it too farther, but but um, so in that instance, you're thinking of like a sweet moment. And then I love that to think that like in this instance, you know, he's having like almost like a traumatic experience. She's trying to like bring it back to be all sweet. And like, do you remember the first time you saw a dinosaur? <laughs> And, like, <laughs> just thinking that he's thinking of, like, this dark and dingy boat where, like, storms coming in and raptors are attacking all his crew. And, oh, man, that, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it fits that he stays silent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was so, so happy. When I first heard that line in the trailer, I thought, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> no longer. It's canon. It cannot be canon anymore. Yeah. But, okay, well, <laughs> it wasn't that bad.
0: You know, thinking about that moment even farther, like they they really don't resolve that moment because, I mean, we can just assume that maybe Baby Blue was the first time, um, but it it actually probably shouldn't have been, you know, because they had been you know testing and trialing these these baby raptors for a while, and he had obviously had to get to that island somehow, so he probably yeah. stumbled across some other dinosaur at some point. So I don't think that it story is be. fully resolved, even in in the full canon.
3: No, the full canon doesn't say. I, I don't think, I don't believe that we know what Grady's first experience was with dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, well, this is it. This is this is what we're going to stick yeah. with for now. <laughs> Until they tell it's us really otherwise. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this situation, uh, they're just, like I said, they're tracking these uh, raptors, and it's, I love that, like, I feel like there's not a lot of, I don't think there's any instances where people are straight up, like, killing dinosaurs, right? It's just, everybody always seems to be using a trank gun.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that comes from my previous experience with writing uh, screenplays. I my my earlier screenplays really had uh, people going um, not so gen- gently with the dinosaurs, and I got some comments on that. People not liking it, so I changed that for Extinction Level.
0: Yeah, I can I can understand that. I'm not a huge fan of like you know those dinosaur shooting games because it seems like a lot of video games that we get are like you know everybody just wanting to destroy. Dinosaurs like they're zombies or something like that, you know? And uh, I kind of like the fact that it's, you know, they're tranking them. They're going to try to take them off eventually and, and get them back to where they belong and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, just neutralize and not kill.
0: Yeah. So I feel like in this scene, like, Tim tranks one and kind of saves Owen. Um, there was, like, four raptors initially and then, like, three more attack. So there's a lot going on. Like, uh, Marines are being killed. I think uh ended up with maybe, like, two deaths from the Marines. Um, one of the the Raptors even grabs onto Owen and like a shoulder area and he's, he's in bad shape for a second, but, um, you know, he's saved. So they finally take out all those Raptors. The, the commander like congratulates Tim, you know, job well done. Good job. Tells Owen to get his shoulder looked at. Um, and then, like I said, he, he instructs the others to get the Raptors off the boat and back to Sorna. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 thought that was, I thought that was a nice little touch, you know, to explain like what's gonna happen with these Raptors. they're gonna wake up eventually, but we need to get them back to the island and uh, make sure they're safe as well, which I thought was interesting because like the military is like we gotta destroy everything but then also is like all right we have to preserve this get them back to the uh, island.
3: Yeah <laughs> I think Masrani is on the bo- on board right so they couldn't destroy them in front. True. of
0: him. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> And and speaking of Mizrani, at this point, like, Tim does, like, uh, that thread that I was talking about from, like, the past few episodes and stuff. He hands over the hard drive and the cure uh, to Mizrani. So, you know, uh, a lot of the dinosaurs were having a hard time throughout this series and uh, and even some humans and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we know that the dinosaurs are fine in in the later series and the movies and stuff like that. So we're like, all right, how is this going to get resolved? And and we almost think the cure is destroyed at one point, and and uh, it's not, luckily. So Tim hands it over, Mizrani does his business and gets it all taken care of.
3: Yeah. When I wrote the story, I never expected that Sona would be written off for Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. If I had, maybe I would let them destroy the island because that was initially happening in the earlier screenplays. And then they went to Nublar after that. And... Well, now we still have Sorna, and I think we still have Sorna in Jurassic World as well. At least the island. I'm not sure about the dinosaurs on there. Yeah, but I mean, still it's,
0: it's all like in the in the hands of you know um, ancillary material, whether it's like a you know the books or the um, the DPG website and all that. So you got to have to rely on those outlets to kind of find out you know what happened with these dinosaurs and. Uh, what's up with those those islands the other islands and everything like that so you know as far as we're yeah. led to believe right that the uh, the dinosaurs were all led over to nublar from Sorna and stuff like that so eventually a lot of those ones died off and stuff so um most of them I guess ended up back on on uh, nublar. so that's that's what yeah. we have to go off of
3: why did they die <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. Either. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's no. a that's a whole like separate conversation that we could have for a very long time about like
3: you yeah. know what happened no, to all the even different the DPG mentioned that that uh, there is in, within the official lore of, through the DPG they mention sickness. So well, who knows?
0: Yeah. yeah, It's not the
3: official, it's not the official uh, statement made, of course.
0: No, and and it's interesting because I thought sickness was going to play a bigger role, um, you know, because there was behind the scenes footage and stuff like that of how they built the Indoraptor, um, you know, animatronic. And they said that they made it very, um, you know, almost incomplete. It was basically falling apart and it had like scales that were falling off and it was kind of like diseased and, and, you know, infected looking. So I was like, oh man, that maybe this is the start. you know this is that that instance where this thing bites a bunch of dinosaurs and, and it basically acts like rabies and just spreads and and then like the sickness kind of uh, you know contracted amongst all the dinosaurs and leads to some dire consequences for the next movie. So we didn't really get that at all. That never actually happened. We, we never got that animatronic in the same way and and in the final film, there was no you know, missing scales or anything like that.
3: No, but I did hear them talking about stuff that they didn't want to include yet. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're right and that's it. That's the part they left out. Yeah, I think you're right, oh, you know. Maybe. Yeah.
0: Colin Colin talked about that a lot recently. He's like, you know, we didn't want to put what did he say like five great ideas into one, you know, story. He wants to spread it out so that we have something yeah. to talk about later on. And and that could be one of those things that they're like, well, you know, we don't necessarily need that. It doesn't do a lot for this story. And even Fallen Kingdom kind of has a lot of those attributes where there's a lot of threads that are not really expanded upon that we're like, well, we'll save them for later. So people are like, we never got an answer. But, like, there's another movie. Just, you know, stay calm. Yeah. You'll you'll maybe get some answers hopefully next time.
3: And yeah, that's the great thing about Jurassic World is that we know we're going to get the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. It makes a lot of money. So they're okay to keep making them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's true.
0: <laughs> so Mizrani is very happy in this situation in, in Extinction Level. Um, he basically is like, Tim, you know, you're very different than the, the the one I saw a few weeks ago. You're so much braver now and you did the right thing. Um, and, and Tim basically concludes that he's right to to fear the dinosaurs and and he um he actually mentions that, like, which kind of also falls into or ties into Fallen Kingdom. Um, maybe keeping the dinosaurs alive might not be the best thing to do, which I thought was like a great nod. Is that something that you you le- you um, had in your original script, or is that something that like you, you heard Ian Malcolm kind of talking about this stuff in the trailers and decided to include yeah. it?
3: No, this was always in.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah I, I, th- I thought that was interesting, a nice little tie-in, the, the moral ethical dilemmas that they all have going on of – you know whether these things should be alive or not. I thought that was a great touch.
3: Yeah, I, I found the uh, the whole Malcolm stuff inside uh, Fallen Kingdom. I, it's, it's it's incredible. It really fits my view.
2: <laughs> yeah, I,
3: I, yeah, it's really great to to see uh, Malcolm in uh, Fallen Kingdom with the lines he said, and I also like the the way Claire evolves in the way uh, where she lead, where where the story leads her. Um, it Was a good way. I th- I think I talked in another podcast about um, I I'm not so that, that I'm not on the side of Claire, not on the side of the DBG. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. to see to see them making that change to get that really dilemma stuff inside Fallen Kingdom, I really liked it. Yeah, I think that may be the best part for me.
0: Yeah, even even Claire kind of settles on on that you know, discussion that maybe this might not be the best thing to do to leave these things yeah. alive. You know, she doesn't want to. She wants to, to make them live and, and continue on and thrive. But in that in that instance, she's like, well, this might yeah. not be the best thing to do. And, and, you know, that could have been something that really destroyed her character for, for a lot of people, for me. Um, you know, if she had pushed that button, it definitely would have been like an insanely dumb call. But um, – <laughs> Luckily, she didn't do it and she, you know, it, it happened anyway, so it didn't really matter. But, um, yeah. you know, she kind of, you know, landed on the fact that maybe this might be the best thing is to unfortunately let them die in this situation.
3: Yeah, yeah, it would, be, it would have been terrible. I don't think I would have been able to, to push the button either, but I couldn't have looked at the dinosaurs like she did. Yeah, so uh, she must be yeah. a very strong woman. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to, Sh- to make that call,
0: <laughs> to make that call, and then to go out and like just stare at yeah. them even farther. Like, oh, you're just watching them die. Oh no, I would, I would be like, you know, close that little door and then like turn my back and be like, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't. I don't want to do this, but I can't watch.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I love that um Ronnie here is like, oh, I'll try to be more careful in the future. Well. <laughs> It didn't exactly work out for you in the end, but um, he was careful for quite a long time. You know, he did a, a pretty good job um, over the years. And, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of untold stories about how maybe un, uncareful and unsafe, uh, you know, that park was. Uh, but we're led to believe that, you know, over the past uh, 10 years, you know, prior to Jurassic World, that everything uh, remained fairly safe. And uh, he was definitely more careful.
3: Yeah, they just had four raptors in the end so and they had another raptor program I believe before these four so what, I really wonder what happened there then. how how it turned out that blue is the only raptor now alive
0: Yeah I you know I I, think, <laughs> I don't know I don't know I'm not sure I buy it fully but um I don't know there's a lot going on there and um you know Mizrani makes the the mention that um the demand to see dinosaurs is rising. And I kind of like chuckled at that because, you know, in Jurassic World, it's like, oh, the demand to see dinosaurs is kind of dying. <laughs> like So that's what yeah. uh, causes the destruction of that park.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, but we have, of course, this is uh, 2001. So, and we have in the beginning Eric Kirby flying onto the island. So that also points a little bit to people wanting to see the dinosaurs but don't, are not able to see the dinosaurs, which is why I fully believe the. Maserati would go for creating another park, like they did, and mm-hmm. selling the point that it was Heaven's Dream, but not being actually Heaven's Dream. But yeah, yeah I, I believe that point. he would be selling that point. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, if if you have people that are out there risking their own lives to go get a glimpse of these dinosaurs, and you know, illegal stuff. You know, when you see that, um you know, there's these companies that are selling boat tours around and, and paragliding tours yeah. and stuff like that. There, there certainly had to be way more than, you know, just those few guys that were doing that one uh you know thing with Eric Kirby and, and Ben Hildebrand. Um but it was, um,
3: probably wasn't their first time no. I think they had more people.
0: <laughs> oh for sure. Yeah. I mean they had this like this this parasail all, all you know designed and ready to go and then there's like there had to have been other companies competing to kind of get a glimpse you know whenever you go to like um you know a resort or something like that there's there's people like flocking at you on the beach like you know trying to sell you tours and stuff like that so i imagine anywhere near costa rica or any of those islands if there's anything closer i don't know but um i'm sure people are like you know we'll sell you you know you want to come out to Isla Nublar or Isla Sorna, and we'll we'll get you close to this island, and you can take a look and see these dinosaurs yeah. firsthand. I'm sure there was tons of companies out there that were kind of doing that. So it's almost like you know they're making money, they're profiting off of that. So why shouldn't we do it like legally? You know, have this um, you know available for people to actually see to be safe, so that we can keep an eye on everything, make sure that everything is is going the right way, exactly. and we're the ones making the money, not these you know other companies with a boat. <laughs>
3: Much cheaper to, for security as well. If you um, if you have a park to secure, and you, you're making money. Yeah, uh, it's much much easier. Much cheaper.
0: Yeah, they have a head count on all those things, so hopefully there's not going to be anything uh, going off that island anytime soon. So they, it lasted about ten years, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so anyway, basically... he wasn't
3: even lying. It was Hammonds' dream before he had the before he had the other dream. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. <laughs> That's something people do. They they tell, okay, if not if it's not your dream now, it was your dream before, so I'm yeah. not lying.
0: <laughs> I guess I guess um, you know, Mizrani just didn't turn on the T V when he was when Hammond was back on CNN, you know, a little yeah. while earlier. He, he just missed, missed that, that whole thing. You know, he just he didn't pay attention to the news at all. So <laughs>
3: Yeah, busy, busy, busy. <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> so that basically like wraps up the the island section here and uh it kind of skips over to like 2 months later and um there's like a hang- high-ranking officer in a uh, in an office um tim tim enters the room and apparently he's you know i guess he's testing right to get into the the navy yeah and he he does well he gets some high scores and he has good references and and uh did you have like an idea of as to who that reference was cuz i when um when she was talking about the officer was like you know, you have good references. They're well-respected. Um, I was wondering, like, oh, who specifically was that?
3: Probably the Marine commander of that ship. Yeah, that's, that I, was, went, that's I was kind of
0: wondering that. Okay. And then um, she basically asks, like, you know, one one last thing is basically, what is your deepest fear? Um, and and I loved, you know, your lines, you know, Tim's lines, to, to basically be without fear uh it's, there's no point. Like there's no, no cause, no momentum. And basically that we should l- listen to our fears to kind of, you know, get in touch with everything. So we know what's going on with our lives and, and, you know, fear is okay. It's okay to live with it.
3: Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I believe. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think that's a great thing, you know, cause you know, you're not going to do anything if you don't look it in the eye and be like, "All right, I can, I can resolve this. I can, uh, I can do something and and be a better person." So I, I really liked how, how like, uh, touching that ended, you know, the, uh, the scene here.
3: And training, of course, uh, like for Marines, you, you train, and that way you get confident what, what you can do and what you cannot do. And I think that helps to remove a fear of the unknown because you start to know what it's about and uh, other things. Um, yeah, fear. I think it's a natural part of us, and it tells us what uh, what we don't know enough about. So maybe we need to learn um, to to understand why we fear. Yeah, and surpass that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really like that. There's a lot of those those moments in here where you had a great like uh, monologue with you know either you or 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 Steve or somebody like that. I thought it was a, a nice way to end uh, to kind of wrap it up. But it wasn't exactly the end because we also had a bonus scene, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so, basically... Yeah, that one was
3: inspired by the J- Jurassic Park Adventure books.
0: Oh, uh, the bonus scene? Yeah. Okay, all right.
3: To tie, to tie that in a bit more. Because in the, um, you have Survivor, Prey, and Flyers, three books that, that were written after Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park 3, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I'm not really sure. I think after. Right yeah. Right after. Yeah. And uh, the second one of those prey uh, goes on Eric Kirby wanting to go to Sorna and they follow a bunch, uh, they end up following a few kids that landed on the island uh, and while Alan Grant is still, uh, he wanted to create a ranger station on the island to study the animals, so that's what Masrani is talking about. Uh Uh-huh. And that takes place, the the bonus scene takes place right before that, uh, I think a few weeks before that. And um, if you want to go with that or not, I I found it very convenient for me to, or for Maserani in this case, to get the cure to the animals, because they don't have resources on the island anymore. Everything they had there is destroyed. And if Grant really wanted to go there to study the animals further, um... Believable or not, I leave that in the middle. Um, it, it happened, uh, for the book it happened. And um, I, I liked to tie that in and get it the way to get the cure to the animals. Because the um, the woman that Hoskins calls, Deborah Holland, that's one of the characters from the book.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. All right. She's. I
3: think she's part of the security there. She's part of Her- Grant's team. And this way, she's undercover, <laughs> so it adds another layer to the book as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that because you know you're tying everything into Jurassic World. At that point, the the book is not necessarily doing that because you know there wasn't anything in mind at that point. So, um, yeah. In this case, we can almost blame Dr. Grant for like Jurassic World <laughs> completely, <laughs> like the like the whole park. It's 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 Grant's fault again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Why <That's not>? <laughs> like if you if he didn't want to create that ranger station, everything would have been fine.
3: Um, I don't know. There still were dinosaurs on Newmar, as far as we yeah know true. from Jurassic World. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. so yeah. So basically, in this scene, Hoskins, <clears throat> Hoskins kind of meets up with Misrani, um, and Mizrani's apologizing for you know I'm sorry you lost your team on the island. That was you know tragic and all that. And um, it, Hoskins uh, captured some Pteranodons on Takanyo, which was interesting, and, um, you know, basically mentions that, look, my my team that captured those Pteranodons were were not all in Sorna, so they're all still alive. I can, you know, build this team up, and, and we can do whatever you want. Um, and Mizrani, you know, he wants to build up that security division for InGen, um, and that's basically, you know, again, yeah. part of the start of this whole thing. Um, and, you know, his first task is to go capture those pteranodons that escaped Sorna. So, you know, we see him at the end yep. of Jurassic Park three and, uh, we know that, you know, they captured them via the material on, um, website and stuff. So, um, I thought that was interesting and, um, yeah. And then you make that thread to tie into like the United Nations assembly, Dr. Grant's going to be there and he wants to set up that ranger station, uh, to study the dinosaurs. So I thought that was a nice touch. Um, and uh, yeah, so Dr. Wu, they mentioned here, um, was worried about not knowing how to save the dinosaurs. I guess that Ranger Station, like you just said, um, is a good way to administer the the cure in that sense. And um, and I like that, yeah. that Hoskins is like, you know, we'll make sure that Dr. Grant gets his wish, you know, on the Ranger Station. So it's kind of like this this thing going on behind scenes. He's like, we're going to make sure it happens, make sure all this works out and then eventually go capture those Pteranodons after everything's said and done.
3: Yeah, we know know now, of course, that Isla Sona and Isla Nublar are under Masrani's care Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, in, uh, 2001. So basically, if he tells the United Nations that it's all okay, then why not? Perhaps that's why Grant got his wish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. And, um, you know, it kind of tied nicely into, you know, the post-credit for uh, Fallen Kingdom in a way. It kind of like... Saddled up right, right alongside of it. I think
3: And pteranodons on the mainland. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like all right. So we, we, we solved this one issue, were- but there's still it's still an ongoing issue, and we we need another team to go out and basically, uh, you know, get these pteranodons. If
3: Huskins were alive, what would he think? Not again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hoskins is a interesting guy if you know, if you take this he- this canon, your head cannon, basically into the the real canon here. Um and I loved I loved like how he progressed and and he he's not necessarily like he's not like an evil kind of guy um that he is in in Jurassic World. He's kind of like you know, just like a you know, a, a, I don't know, a, st- a strong force on this island um and you know, takes care of the security and everything and I don't think he's really as you know, nasty of a guy or 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 anything as he is in Jurassic World.
3: No, not yet. I think at this at level he's just uh, in for security and he has... Um, I think to get as far as you do with Hoskins you cannot start out that evil because then you never climb up. You don't come anywhere. So mm-hmm. to get where he is he, he needs to be a good commander at some point. Yeah. And I think in this one he he, he was... Uh, for the most part of course he left his team behind uh, due to pressure but he basically (laughs) sacrificed um, not not in the the way what happened of course (laughs) Um, but but he sacrificed himself to uh, go after the the guys that were still left behind and he left uh, his team to go back in the hope that they would be in time for evacuation which of course they weren't Mm -hmm. but that's not really his fault is it yeah (laughs)
0: No, but I like, um, you know, in a way thinking about it, it kind of sets up like maybe a relationship, um, moving forward that, you know, if they're going to administer, administer like the cure, they probably worked hand in hand, Dr. Wu and Hoskins, maybe at some point, um, you know, obviously after all of extinction level, maybe that went down at that, uh, ranger station. They kind of got to talking because they seem to be on the same side in Jurassic world. Um, and then maybe, like, you know, somehow there was an introduction to Mills at one point somewhere in there. That would be interesting. Yeah.
3: Who knows? Who knows? I don't, knows? Know really, I don't really know how Mills ties into anything because know, uh, right? the backstory with Lockwood is very vague in Fallen Kingdom. But, well, that's okay.
0: Yeah, it's it's vague, but it, it lends to a lot of room for you to, you know, create your own head cannon in a way. Yeah, and, you know, maybe you reached out to Dr. Wu at some point because he's like, uh, we need to do something. We need to make something special over here. Um, we need some help. Would you yeah. would you like to do that? And then, you know, uh Hoskins is like, I, I heard you on that phone call over there. What was that about? And then he wants in and then everybody's a bad guy.
3: <laughs> I think for, for um the the whole plot with the raptors uh, for Hoskins from Jurassic World. Uh, I think the basis for that was laid in Jurassic Park 3 because we see the raptors there being very smart. So that's why I put the part in where Hoskins sees that too. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And that, being, that being the basis for his ideas. And, of course, uh, Jurassic Park 3 is about a few months, maybe two, three months before the Tora Bora ins- uh, battle that he mentions in Jurassic Park 3. Which is a nice touch because then he has the um, that view of the raptors fresh in his mind when he sees that battle play out, and that's why he kept in his mind to uh, if we had these raptors, then it would have been uh, the way it had been.
0: Yeah, and there was also that moment I remember—I uh, don't forget—a few episodes ago where he mentioned, like, basically, I I raised that spinosaurus. I thought that was an interesting touch yeah. until it was like too big. <laughs> So I'm imagining yeah, I, him being like Owen, you know, kind of <laughs> training this thing, making sure it gets to its, uh, you know, the, you know, old age safely. I guess.
3: Yeah, but probably more like uh, a kind of boss um, who would beat his pets to to get it to do what he wants. I don't think he would have been the best. Uh, no best person to raise that kind of
0: yeah I'm imagining yeah. And that's I'm why kind it's of imagining
3: quite angry at, at humans
0: yeah yeah, I'm kind of imagining like a Dieter Stark you know he's got that, uh, that shock thing and he's like basically like yeah. tasing it every two seconds like you need to be a better spinosaurus he just keeps poking it yeah. and yeah. eventually just hates all humans <laughs> and everything and just is like you know the craziest dinosaur you've ever seen
3: yeah that's something that I, I, I had <laughs> in my mind yeah yeah um the the, the spinosaurus doesn't like humans that's that's for sure
0: no it's just like (laughs) it's it seems kind of like out of control doesn't know what's going on and and nobody can understand why this thing is so brutal and this many years later we're still you know trying to tie it into everything and and make it part of this this expanded universe where they're doing hybrid you know testing and all that stuff, so I think everybody's got that on their minds, and, and it's like, all right, there must have been a, a bigger connection here, and I, I think didn't uh, the DPG touch on that in a little a little sense there? Yeah, they did.
3: yeah yeah, it's, in, in, their, in their sense, it's a hybrid. Um, yeah. not really sure why it was as mean as it was. I, I yeah. forgot those details.
0: I mean yeah I don't know I mean it um the the indoraptor was fairly mean for no reason too um so I don't know maybe it's just like they just uh put the wrong thing in every time and it just turns out to be too mean I can understand the uh the indominus rex in a way that felt more like almost like just a a big puppy that didn't know what to do with itself it didn't seem as yeah. irrational as the uh, spinosaurus in that sense but um I I don't know. Maybe there's just some wrong gene that they keep throwing in there that just makes them very, very angry. (laughs) Who
3: knows? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think that I don't really know that much about genes, but I don't believe that um, that kind of temper comes from genes. I I would sooner believe that it comes from something you experience uh, Mm -hmm. while growing up. So... It can be that the Spinosaurus for the spi- for the Indo- Indominus Rex, I think they were very clear that it uh, it was raised in a very tiny space, in, in isolation, so it didn't have anyone, uh, yeah, to grow up with. So it, it it's it's a frustrated animal, and that that it felt believable mm-hmm, for me in Jurassic World. And I think maybe the Spinosaurus just had bad experience growing up. Mm, I don't know. Is it, it's in in this case of um, Jurassic Park 3 it's very difficult to understand fully because you as far as you know it grew, grew up alone it didn't have anything um, it, because the island was deserted
0: yeah 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 so I mean that re- that basically wrapped up um, all of that episode the final episode there so that was a, a great ending I thought I thought it was a good way um, a sad way but also you know, uh, leaves a lot of questions, like where where could we go next, and how do they make these connections between here and and the other movies and stuff. So I, I loved where it ended. I thought it was a great uh, great final episode. So so congratulations, that was that was great. I Thank loved <laughs> I loved all these twenty six episodes. It was a lot of fun, a crazy ride.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely for me as well to create. It was amazing how it all came together.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah. like throughout the second half, there was just so many great things. There was like. Incredible acting, I thought. You know, there was a lot of acting. Uh, a lot of it. Um, you know, even Steve Stephen he like he did a great job. Like, um, whether it was like lamenting over dying animals or or his death scene, like it was it was intense. And and you know, people like him well, and others, death. you know, just acting very great throughout yeah. this entire series, and, and especially the second half.
3: Yeah. For his death scene, Steve told me that he choked himself a little bit to, to get <laughs> that kind of sound. <laughs> you went to lengths
0: <laughs> yeah really he must have <laughs> and then we and have in the like original
3: in the original screenplay it was hammond that would would die uh, with these words oh. i had him die on the island uh, okay. while the island was blowing up so he was basically blown up by the bombs from the navy mm-hmm. um but he was with his animals and i uh, that's what i wanted but then of course jurassic world came out and then uh, John Hammond had already died in 1998, but that didn't happen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to lose the line, so I gave them to Jerry Hardy. Yeah, yeah, I think that worked
0: out perfectly. It was a very touching moment because yeah. Sarah's there and and everything. So it, uh, yeah, and it was like like I said, it was like on that cliffhanger moment where you didn't know what happened. And apparently, he's still alive, but also he's about to die. So there was a lot going on there. It was uh, it
3: was very brutal, very sad, and he did a great job for it. Yeah, and
0: you have you have James Hawkins over there acting in like every scene. He <laughs> the dude did so many voices, um, so much going on there with him. I, I love it all, and I was surprised to hear him as Owen um, because I didn't I didn't expect it. Like I said, I didn't expect Owen to be there. Uh, I wasn't sure that he was going to be there, and then to hear that he did the voice, um, I didn't recognize. Him. <clears throat> I didn't recognize him right away I actually uh didn't know who it was, and then a, you know a little bit farther into it I was like, oh that was that was definitely James
3: yeah yeah that was james i I was looking for, I didn't want to give it away too too soon that I had Owen in it so I thought okay James is already aware of most of it, so maybe he can do a good owen and he did he could do a very good owen and I also had uh, the president of the United States in a few episodes back. And that was also James. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for someone who could do uh, 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 George W. Bush (laughs) because he was president at the time. So, yeah. And I think he did a good good job on that too. (laughs) He's very good at doing voices.
0: Yeah, he speaks, he can speak a little Spanish if you need him to, he's, he's kind of like a... Yeah, you know, well, he that do took everything. some
3: effort, <laughs> that really took some effort, it was uh, in September last year that we, uh, I, I basically gave him a course with my wife next to me because she speaks Spanish, uh, it's, it's her na- native tongue in, yeah. uh, in Peru, um, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. sending back and forth. no try it a little bit more like this, (laughs) like this, (laughs) different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I think I even had some Spanish lines at one point, and I'm like, I don't know, I can't really do it. So you might, you might as well pass it off to somebody who can.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think I had you in mind for one of the, um, uh, one of the other control workers. I think that uh, Jay, uh, Jay Jurassic did that. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I was just he didn't
3: like, do Spanish, but he, it was good enough <laughs> <laughs> because it was the he, he had to do the lines for um, when when the flight when the airplane was hailed from the coast guard, I'm not really sure I forgot the name, but it's it's in Jurassic Park three, and it's a little bit of a Spanish accent that the, oh, okay. the guy calling the plane has. So, but then they hang up, and the uh, the team of Jurassic Park three flies over the island, that part. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. But, I,
0: I do remember. Yeah, you sent over some clips of like, uh, you know, what was said in that uh, on that radio, right? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Man. The way the yeah, way so this that, thing all ties together is so a Slight,
3: slight Spanish accent, Yeah, but not not that, not that bad. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it cannot be too big. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and then, like the second half, I feel like the intensity just ramped up. It was like out of control. It was like so much going on. It was. It was hectic. It was uh, thrilling and all that. So there was a lot of dinosaur attacks. You had to deal with the potential destruction of Sorna, um, and then at one point they basically destroyed well, like part of it. The vil- uh, worker village was destroyed. Um, you have yep. Harding's death. There was there was so much going on. Like so many, uh, like like I said, the, the raptor attacks. I think in the second half there was like, um, I think two. I guess you know you have this one on the boat here, and then you have one where they were like out in the jungle and that vehicle that was really intense uh i yeah. really loved like the sound design and everything on that episode it was fantastic and then there was like spinosaurus coming into the mix and uh the two t-rex from like uh from the lost world uh, which was awesome and they they basically um took out the spinosaurus but didn't kill it surprisingly i was, I was yeah. very surprised to see that the thing survived that instance
3: yeah, that, that is because of a uh, discussion that that we had on uh, about Jurassic World and the skeleton there uh, because uh, apparently people wanted to believe that it was the same and other people said it couldn't be the same uh, but it, when an animal uh, ages for some time then um, bone structure can differ it can change so I thought, well, the Spinosaurus must have grown a little bit older than it was at the time of Jurassic Park 3 so it cannot die and also in uh, Jurassic Park Adventures uh, the third movie, there's still the Spinosaurus hmm. that plays in 2002, so I, it couldn't have died. Yeah, if I wanted to sense. tie those uh, those things into the story, if I wanted it to fit the canon in the, that way.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and the, the so way things it, tied
3: yeah, in. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. And that's that's why it has to walk off.
0: Yeah. I love that, and it surprised me so much. I was just like, "Oh, the thing's dead! Yes, finally!" <laughs> I mean, I like the Spinosaurus personally. I think it's a great dinosaur. Um, but, but yeah, I was like, "Oh, somebody finally took it down after all these these years." And, and uh, no, it it survived. It, it lived on. This thing is a monster. It just keeps going.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, I, 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 it's, it's also tied nicely in with Jurassic World, where the uh, Tyrannosaurus uh, drops his jaw and then still gets up afterward. Yeah, so I very, it was very, a nice hint yeah, as well. good
0: point. Good point. Because I, I had that same feeling. I was like, "Oh my God, this is it. This is the moment." And no, it survives. But um, you know, there were so many remnants of of Jurassic Park three and and other films. So I loved like, you know, kind of traversing the island there and just finding all the remnants of, you know, the the. The group that kind of flew in there, whether it was Eric or uh, you know the other group, you know you have Udaski basically lying there in one of these episodes. You have those gas canisters that I think uh, you know Eric is throwing around. You find Billy yeah. at one point, and and you know you find out that Sarah's the one who saves Billy, which is really cool. I loved how everything tied in.
3: Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I I, I, I amazed myself while writing the story as well because a lot of things just fit really well.
0: Yeah, you're just like sitting there typing and you're like, oh my God, it's working, it's working, It's everything's <laughs> connecting.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think I've had those moments. <laughs> <laughs> also, after uh, I think I read those Jurassic Park adventure books after I had written the script. And then I came to the conclusion that um, Eric, uh, he basically, if you read the first uh, one, Survivor, he basically reaches the um, research facility. And I think um, maybe the, village, the worker village and the research facility had to be the same location. But when you look at Jurassic Park 3 and The Lost World, they they really seem to be different locations. Um, so I mm-hmm. stick with that. And also on the map of Sorna, you see two different locations for worker village and research facility. Mm-hmm. So I took those two locations um, where I based it on. Yeah. And. Um, Eric basically stays close to the research facility. And in this story I tell, I let Dr. Wu say that they cannot go there because it's dangerous. And of course, Eric also finds raptors there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so that's why they never find out that uh, Eric is on the island because he's over there in that area. And they are somewhere else where Eric never comes. Yeah. So that, that, that fit too in that way. And that's how they never find out that Eric... Uh, was on the island, and if someone wants to know uh, Eric uh, in the book, Eric finds an iguanodon, and of course we know from the lore that there is no iguanodon on Sorna. Uh, but of course it's a book written by Eric, and Eric could have easily mistaken the, the animal for an Edmontosaurus for an iguanodon. Mm. They look kind of alike. Yeah. Of course yeah. the iguanodon has the big thumbs, and he, maybe he didn't see that too well. There are ways to explain a lot yeah. of things.
0: <laughs> I love I love how that all tied together. Like, you know, I think it was maybe Ted Brothers that had that line. Like, he's been he's been there for eight weeks yeah. and you had no idea. Like, that's crazy. Like, and, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to think of it that way. That there was a ton of stuff going on just a little ways away. You know, at the worker village. But you know, Eric yeah. basically sat over here the whole time and had no clue that any of that was going on. And, um, yeah, that's pretty interesting.
3: Yeah, and if you read the book, the Survivor book, then then that's basically what happened. And um, a lot of things in in movies as well, um, they happen that way, um, or that's the way I I stick to it. And it it could have been different, but it, it wasn't. So, yeah, I don't make a big fuss of that. Yeah. Yeah. Usually.
0: Yeah. And then um, you know, we get um some other dinosaurs and stuff like the Herrerasaurus was here, which was awesome. Um, I loved getting uh, you know, to hear those dinosaurs and, and follow that little uh brush up that they had with the uh the people on the island. That was pretty awesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's basically the first time that Tim um uses his tranquilizer gun and where Sarah can tell him it's good that you were afraid because you were very sharp.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he basically used it, um, and yeah. then their other encounter yeah. with the Tylosaurus was pretty awesome. That was fantastic scene where you know they basically go down into the the tunnels and and come across you know the the water tank and they hear um, John Hammond over the speakers and stuff. That was so awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah. Kurt Tomlinson's music also was great for that sequence. He, he uh, yeah. um, I asked him via the forum on Jurassic Out- Outpost. Uh, if I could use those uh, parts, because he, he the, the ones he had posted there, and he told me that was okay. Nice. And I used one, I think one for the Herarosaurus, just um, the, that sequence, I used one there, and another one for the Mosasaurus, which was really great. I slowed it a bit down to fit where I was going, and I took a bit uh, bits out to make it fit better. But it's, um, yeah, it, it really fit this, and I, it really gave me goosebumps <laughs> while I was listening to it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I loved it. I, it was so much fun, just so nostalgic feeling. You know, you're hearing all these voices and and you know witnessing all these scenes from different perspectives. I thought it was all so much fun, um, and I really enjoyed like going over it every time. And I was legitimately surprised and shocked, and and you know, I just thought it was a lot of fun going over it every time and just listening to it. In, you know, new episodes and and you know, I, I've heard from a lot of people that they maybe didn't catch up on them you know, initially, so they've been kind of skipping over it, but they intend to listen to it all together at once. Um, yeah. Is that something you're looking to do? Because I know we did the, uh, you know, the uh, summary, which basically kind of went through a lot of those instances, but um, are, are you planning like a full, like how, how long is it? Like an hour and a half, two hours or something like that?
3: Three hours and 19 oh, minutes.
0: Okay, wow. Much longer <laughs> than I expected.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little longer than I, I expected to. Yeah. I think I, I when I wrote it, I thought that, uh, if it was a movie, it would have been close to two hours, maybe a bit longer. But due to all the narration, um, that takes a, it takes a lot longer to explain situations and to describe what's going on Very to true. really get a sense of what's going on. So that's why it takes longer than uh, than a movie would take.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, is there? Because um, I, I know you have all these episodes over on your YouTube now, so you know people can listen yeah. to them individually without you know the rest of the podcast version so that's good yeah and i so also took
3: gonna... out the credits there so the only thing that you have there is the introduction of the of the episodes which is basically the, the of yeah. this number and then the the title of the episode and then it really go, it goes immediately into it no previously parts and no credits so if you listen on the youtube channel it will go much faster
0: yeah, so you're you're combining them all together for for one long 3-hour thing, right? So that people can listen to it yeah. straight through. That's going to be that's going to be awesome. I actually have to do that. I can't yeah. wait to listen to that. Just to to kind of hear everything all together so you can connect those dots because some people, you know, sometimes you forget things that happened early on or or like I said people that um you know maybe skipped over cuz they didn't catch up right away they weren't uh you know fully invested yeah. in the podcast or wherever they heard it so maybe they just kind of skipped over it you know unfortunately but this time they can actually catch up and they can listen to the whole thing which I think is awesome
3: Yeah Yeah me too I've listened to it a few times uh through the MP3s I have of it um so I, I like to listen to it still <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I get that because, you know, you create something so awesome. You just got to listen to it. You just got to, like, I'm sure you critique, critique it here and there and just, like, think of things. Maybe you could have done better yourself, but, like, I think it sounds awesome. I think uh, everybody did such a great job. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pumped always, to listen to the whole thing. It's
3: always hard to please everyone because, uh, the, the, like, like you mentioned today, in the end scene, the Navy uses tranquilizer guns, which... Normally wouldn't happen, I think. It's, uh, it's they're really lucky that they would have tranquilizer guns on that navy ship, but they just so happen to have them on board. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: convenience, right? There's a lot of convenient yeah. plot points in these movies, so why not here too?
3: <laughs> yeah, I think every movie has that. So, but some, if, if you want to please the fans that don't like the animals being killed, then you have to find out ways to do so. Gotta and do of something. course, other fans would would love to see them killed, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, we might as well wrap it up uh, around here. We've been going for an hour already. So, um, oh. yeah, yeah, I know. But that's that's probably, you know, barely scratching the surface on a three-hour uh, audio drama that's been going for over a year now. And uh, basically every yeah. other week here on the podcast, as much as we could do that, um, you know, of course, like the, the mailbags on certain episodes that we have to air, like it just kind of – you know, sometimes it threw it off, so we ended up going like two weeks or something. But basically, every other week, it was it was it's been a staple here on on the podcast. I'm I'm sad to see it go. I'm interested to see what happens next. Uh, do you have anything, uh, you know, on your schedule? Anything else that you're working on coming up?
3: Uh, not really. I have I've I'd worked on another screenplay uh, which started uh, around the time of the Tyrannosaurus to wrap up. Or, uh, roundup mm-hmm. so that's why i ended this one here too a little bit uh but i i'm not really um, working on anything at the time
0: yeah look this is a massive undertaking Maybe. this is a- yeah <laughs> this is a massive undertaking like i you know i produce this podcast every week and in the month of june i pr- you know we produce like so many episodes but like the fact of like doing this for a year straight and just like the intensity that I understand like how, how much effort goes into creating these episodes and, and layering it with different voices and making sure everybody lines up. So it actually sounds like realistic conversations because everybody recorded separately. Everybody did their own, you know, thing, you know, you had your direction in the, in the script there, but people had to, you know, do it themselves and you had to piece everything together, add that music add the sound effects, make sure it sounded like a real place, a real, you know, battle or real attack or whatever it was. And, um, I think the fact that any of this came together as like, um, you know, a believable and emotional experience, I think is a, is a, is a miracle and it's amazing. And I love that you did that. I am super, you know, grateful that you allowed us to, you know, present this to everybody in the community over the past year. It's been a blast.
3: I'm super grateful that you had me on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, we have—I think we have an episode with you actually—that <laughs> um, we've had in the bank for a while. So this is not—this is certainly not the last time we'll hear from you here on the podcast.
3: No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so why don't you tell everybody else where they can find you and and all these episodes of Extinction Level?
3: You can find uh, some of the. Uh, the tweets that I do on Extinction Level on Extinction Level LVLJP on Twitter, and you can find me on, uh, on uh, BOS underscore ARJAN at Twitter as well. And I also have a um, YouTube channel which I always forget the handle of, but that will be uh, you can find that through the Twitter of Extinction LVLJP. JP.
0: Awesome. Awesome. You know, the fire is getting very close over there. And I think I see a chopper. Is that a chopper? It looks like a chopper. I think James is up. Is that James? What is he doing in the chopper? Hey, James. (laughs) James, come on. Come get us. Maybe you can take us off. Take us off this island. The fire is getting too close. Thank you so much for joining me today,
3: Harjus. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone.
0: thanks for listening to the 158th episode of the jurassic park podcast of course a big thanks to Arjun for episode 26 of extinction level jurassic park and for joining me here on site b i'm actually very sad to see extinction level go um and and come to a close here i really appreciate him for allowing us to air this incredible radio drama here on the podcast for over a year now. And, and also thank you so much to everybody who has been involved in this project. He was able to amass the biggest grouping of community members to take part in a single project so I really think Arjun should be proud of everything that he has accomplished here. Um, I am proud of it, and I, I'm very excited that we were able to showcase it for you all. He also has all this stuff over on his YouTube channel, so make sure to check that out and uh, hopefully see that entirety, uh, the long three-hour version that he mentioned. Thank you so much, man, for letting us do this. It's been a blast. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jurassic Park podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park podcast. You can listen to us via Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for Jurassic fans like you to find us. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com to find everything you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you could submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and
3: enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life, uh, finds a way.